0: Fear is the mind-killer. Fear is the little death that brings total obliteration. I will face my fear.
1: I will permit it to pass over me and through me. And when it has gone past me, I will turn to see fear's path.
0: Where the fear has gone, there will be nothing. Only I
1: will remain." Welcome to the Hologram Media Club. I'm Will. Nerd! And I'm Gavin. God,
2: what a dork.
1: We're a book club for the 21st century.
2: The newest wonder of the 21st
1: century. We'll focus
3: on sci-fi, fantasy,
1: and speculative fiction audiobooks.
2: Books are for squares.
1: But we'll get into all sorts of geeky stuff.
3: It's, It's dorky. I'm aware that it's
1: dorky. Each episode, we'll discuss a book, then recommend a new book to discuss on the next episode. It's
3: stupid, episode after Talk to us on any social media, or even better, join us on an episode and share your thoughts.
1: With the nerds and the geeks? Hello, and welcome to episode 15 of the Hologram Media Club podcast. That's a guess. I don't know if, truly if it is 15. But uh, we welcome you. And tonight we will be discussing episode about Dune. And it was written by Frank Herbert in 1965. And there have been a few movies, uh, TV shows based off of it since then. Movie in 86, I believe. We were just discussing and I got it wrong. 84. 84. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, a new movie that just came out that we've all gone to see. And it was amazing. Well, we, I'm sure we have different opinions, or we'll be getting no, into that. I think we them. all
2: agree.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, it was, it was really wonderful. So we'll get into all of that this episode. And uh, yeah, so how you guys been doing? Not We're bad. Doing good. A lot of Dune. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Your life been filled with Dune?
3: It, it has been. It really has been.
1: Let's, you know, you... You, you really can't get the
0: sand out once it starts getting <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, That's Yeah.
3: I'm, I'm so into Dune. I've installed a sand shower and I scrub my ass with sand at home.
1: <laughs> Tell us a little bit. Do you right. what, You listen to a bunch of different versions?
3: I did. I listened to four different versions. Um, the first book, we're talking about the first book of Dune here, which is about where the new movie ends. Yeah. Um, I listened to four different versions. I went to the theater three times on opening weekend, and I went to the theater to see it again this last weekend. So I've seen the movie four times, (laughs) listened to the first half of the book four times, and I've watched the (laughs) fan edit of the Lynch version about a half a time. I haven't watched the whole thing yet. I've watched a good chunk of that, so.
1: Man filled with I'm ready to talk (laughs) (laughs) and then you Aaron you were this was your pick this week so can you tell us a little bit about your history with this book and so
0: this is one that uh I didn't even come to this until fairly late um I don't know maybe 10 years ago I read it for the first time um and I I feel like I had picked it up once before that and didn't get very far but uh, yeah, about 10 years ago, I, I read through the whole thing, really enjoyed it. Um, and I'd, I had seen the Lynch version um, not long after it came out. You know, whenever it first hit video, I remember watching that at, at my grandparents' house. And I mean, I w- would have been 10 in 1984, so, you know, maybe 11 or 12 when I saw it. And was intrigued by it, but of course, I mean that the movie has its, uh, has things going for it, but it is a mess. Um, and I remember being, <laughs> it, it made an impression on me to say <laughs> that, but, uh, yeah, I, I definitely enjoyed the book. And, uh, so this is my, my first time back to it since I read it then um and i i feel like i got a lot more out of it now especially in the the first half of the book
1: um do you think that's do you think that's because you're older now and wiser and more understand more or just because um, it's your second read through the the story i think because
0: time? it's the the
1: second time through <laughs> uh I, you know like i said it was only about 10 years ago that i
0: read it that uh you know i I don't know that I'm that much wiser than I was. Then, oh, <laughs> well, a lot can
1: happen yeah. in ten years. <laughs>
0: this is true. This is true. Um, but yeah, especially. Uh, well, so let me uh, read off my my little uh, synopsis here. Oh, yeah. oh 60 okay. This will be just, sixty, 60 seconds. seconds. Yeah, yeah, sixty seconds. All right. Dune is set in the far future. Uh, humans have adopted a Feudal interstellar society where different houses, uh, barons, dukes, counts, that sort of thing, are given control of planets. Uh, space travel is made possible by melange, aka the spice, uh, which also extends life and can only be found on the planet Arrakis, which is a huge desert. Uh, this makes the spice the most valuable thing seconds. in the universe. The Emperor has just given over control of Arrakis from Baron Harkonnen to the Baron's rival, Duke Atreides. Now, as Duke Atreides with his wife Jessica and son Paul take control of the planet and its spice mining, a trap is sprung by Baron Harkonnen in conjunction with the Emperor, who is himself jealous of the Duke's growing power. The Duke is killed. Paul and Jessica escape into the desert to seek refuge with the native Fremen. Killed Ah. it. Wow. You fucking nailed it. Holy. Wow. Dude, you just put <laughs> well my synopsis <laughs> last week to shame. Yeah. So this <laughs> is like, this this comes from preparation. I actually wrote something out because I knew I knew I would not get it.
3: I'd have been, been like, ah. Uh, wow.
0: Wait. Uh mm-hmm.
3: Sand? I think there was Sand. sand yeah. <laughs> yeah. guy like so This have, isn't
0: even this doesn't even, you know, get into things like, you know, Lady Jessica being Right. Part of the Benny Jeseret, and what the hell are they, and <laughs> right. any of well, that? Well, sixty sixty
3: second—that's a hell of a thing to put wrap up in sixty. Right, seconds. <laughs> it's a hell of a thing <laughs> yeah. to wrap up in two hours. You <laughs> yes. know, just uh, yeah. for the first
1: part of the book. Right, um, right. I would have been stuck on pronunciation yeah. the whole time. Uh, is <laughs> Benny ben- or Benay? Jeser Jeseret? Benny Benny Is it nighttime or daytime? Benny <laughs> Jeseret. <laughs> 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 I think Um, I I started this episode saying tonight and it is the morning. So that's why our, all of our voices are so chipper, (laughs) right? right. Of course, we're all morning people. Yeah, this is true. (laughs) So, yeah. So yeah, the,
0: (laughs) the intricacies of the, um, the betrayal plot, uh, a lot of that, kind of went past me on the first read through um and that's really a lot of what the first the first half of the book the first book deals with um and so i got a lot more out of that i I felt like i had a better understanding and especially there's a there's a scene early on where baron harkonnen is discussing this plot with his nephew uh Rotha, who Fedoratha. is not in the movie yeah um and Peter de Vries and he he lays almost all of it out right then um mm-hmm. and yeah so it's it's he was kind of put up to this by the emperor who it's really the emperor wants to get wants rid to of
3: he wants to squash the
0: Atreides right who are getting a little too popular a little too powerful Yeah. Um, And I I had to actually look and see what the uh, what the different ranks were in a feudal society. So a duke is actually fairly high up, and a baron is kind of the lowest. Huh. Um, Yeah, an account is in between them.
1: Huh. That's interesting. I didn't know that. Okay. That's funny. I just
3: had them all evens. I always just thought
0: it was like
1: you were in charge of some shit. You were. You had peasants
3: below you. It was kind of all right. the same. and I, I don't know
0: if you know if if that it doesn't really play into it in this book. At least there, you know, there may be more about it in some of the other books that I haven't read. But um, and it, in fact, the the whole idea that the spice is used for space travel, it's, it makes it possible, comes down to you know the the people consume it and then they can make all these incredible calculations to plan this, this space trip. Um, And that's all due to the fact that there are no computers. Yeah. And it, it, this is something I kind of picked up from reading other things about this is that there are no computers because at one point in the past, they had made artificial intelligence that then waged war against humanity so now you're no longer allowed to make artificial intelligence yeah. and the 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 only mention of it in this book is a line about you know make no computer that can think like a man or something right yeah um very, so all of that you know comes from other books
3: yeah and other lore very very technically um and this is just buried 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 deep deep but very technically we didn't wage a war or the the humans then didn't wage a war against the machines. They waged a war against the humans that were controlling the machines that were controlling other people. So there was another class above everybody else that was using artificial intelligence and robots and shit like that to okay. basically create a whole peasant class. And that peasant class essentially rose up and squashed that. And then they said, OK, fuck you, no more machines.
0: Well, so, so, but now we've got a we've got a peasant class again. We've got a feudal society again, you know. Yeah, that's our, yeah. our
3: Well, and it seems like when do I, in reality, it seems like that's kind of our default, right? Like hmm. And it, that's been,
0: something that Herbert has even said, I think is that, you know, yeah. this feudalism is a not it's not necessarily a good thing, but it is a state that humanity seems to be sort of comfortable deep. with and and,
1: and yeah. fall into. Yeah.
3: Yeah. We sort of seem to default to this upper class, lower class thing. Yeah.
1: yeah. So when do you find all of this out? I guess we should ex- ex- say, I guess say, first of all, big spoilers for later books. <laughs> Cause I didn't know any <laughs> I, this stuff. Yeah. As I was well, reading yeah, it, I was yeah, thinking yeah, I Mentat even. and oh. I, I was almost thinking they were uh, like cyborgs for a while, just because of the way that it says they're like computer the way that they right. think, and it took me a minute to realize that that was just because of the spice, I guess, and the way that they evolved
3: from it—the spice and sappho juice, training, and all kinds of stuff. Yeah,
0: and their training, and yeah. you know, also sort of natural ability that they identify um, at, a, at a young age and and begin right. the training for, because that that's one of the things that we see in the book is that Paul was identified as. You know, capable and had had been undergoing mentat training um, kind of without his real knowledge of it for most of his life.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I was talking to his dad. His dad was like, you have a possibility of being a mentat, but I haven't been trained. There's a whole (laughs) thing you have to do. You can't tell him that. Oh, Wait, wait. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. So, um, all the all the lore about like the machine wars and shit like that. That all comes from um, not necessarily the old books. There's a lot of the stuff in the new books by um, Herberts Kid and Kevin Anderson, Kevin J. Anderson. Mm-hmm. um But it's all sort of built into the lore. So if you start looking into appendixes and appendices and shit like that, then you start uncovering all of that. But that's all like really fine detail stuff that's just buried in Herbert's backlog of the creation of the world that he doesn't really bring into anything. So it's not actually like laid out in a book anywhere. It's okay. just part of the overall lore.
1: Gotcha. Kind of Lord yes. of the Rings-ish yes. in that Yes. fashion. Yeah. So have so, you yeah, both exactly. read all six original... By Frank, and then all of the... How much have you read by his son, I guess, Gavin? It sounds like you've read a lot.
3: I have read... I don't know how many there are. I think I've read 12. of. So I, I did the a long time ago on actual books with actual paper. I did all six of the original Dune books. Um, that was uh, maybe 15 or so years ago. And then um, I did possibly the first 12 of the new books by Mm -hmm. brian and kevin okay but there's more there's more now um very different feel to those books but i've
0: done i've done that very expensive then i've only
1: read this one so this is your only one aaron the first one yeah the first okay and again like all of the all of this
0: other stuff i've kind of picked up from you know think pieces about the movie or or about the book or whatever that have been written by other people who have apparently read all these other books. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. And, uh, but you know, I don't know that any of that is, uh, is really necessary to the understanding. It, it, you know, no, it fills them all. some things out, but yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. No, no, not at it's none of that's important. That's just, like if just, if you want to get really deep into it, like you said, like mm-hmm. Tolkien, like in Tolkien, you can get really, really deep and it doesn't do anything for the story. It doesn't enhance a story or anything. It just gives you more geek cred in that circle. Just so. <laughs> cool
1: to know there's such a deep world. That yeah. It's yeah, just, it's an example
3: out. of how, how big the world is that he built and just how into world building he really was. Mm-hmm. And yeah. How complete that world was. So, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um,
1: so I think I, I interrupted your story maybe where you were talking about the spice and the guild using it to travel space and everything but yeah I mean it's used for it's used for the space travel um yeah but it's
0: also now it, one of the other things that you sort of find out later um I think I think you discover this toward the end of book 1 is that it is also addictive uh and that you know, if you and it, it's it's in everything uh on Arrakis. So it's in all the food and everything. So if you stay there long enough you become addicted to it. And if you go off the planet and you can't get it anymore for some reason, then you'll die. Yeah.
1: Pretty um, much trapped on planet at that point. Yeah, or, uh, you or, know...
3: Or import. I mean, that's why yeah. the export of the spice is so crazy important. It, everything. Right. The Bene Gesserit off of spice, the upper mm-hmm. class run off of it because they all want... It, it keeps you alive longer and it keeps you mentally more stable. The Mentats need it to create Mentats and create Sappho juice. I think mm-hmm. that's where Sappho juice comes from. The Spacing Guild needs it to work out the formulas to how to get from one point to another point. Everybody needs the spice. It is by far the most important thing in the entire universe. Without the spice, the entire empire collapses almost instantaneously. Yeah. And yeah. and most of humanity dies because of the addiction. <laughs> yeah. But even taking that out, even if you took that out, it's the most crucial element of the Imperium. Like you cannot have the Empire without the spice.
1: Right. I love how and- intricate it gets, like the description starting off with just the smell of cinnamon and then when you taste it the, the second time your body's like used to the taste so then it changes the flavor kind of so you're never experiencing yeah. or it, yeah too tired i like it it's just and then in, it, it always tastes a little bit different every time yeah and then, and then how once you're on the planet you know it's in the air and you can smell it and there's different pockets of so a, as the book goes on you keep on learning a little bit more of you know, how is it formed on the planet? So I'm still kind of interested in, I know that the worms have something to do with it now, but still don't know completely. I've been trying to refrain from looking too much up. So <laughs> yeah, through the first
0: half of the book, we don't really, you get some some hints that the the worms have something to do with uh, with the spice yeah. creation, but you don't really mm-hmm. get, There's, Um, yeah,
3: there's a relationship there, but he just sort of, just touches.
1: Yeah. It's great, though.
3: I think it picks up in the second half.
1: Just keeps you wondering, the way it's unraveling. I'm just like, oh, I need to know more about this spice.
3: (laughs) Actually, I'm not positive. It's been a long time since I've read the whole book, um, but I'm not positive he actually gets into the entire life cycle of the spice and where it actually comes from and how it's produced.
0: Right, it's, yeah, it doesn't... Uh,
3: I think he hints at some stuff, but I don't think he ever actually just lays out. What, right. Yeah, interesting. No, yeah, there's a,
0: a little bit more is embellished um, further on, but yeah, it doesn't... Uh, it's never explicitly described that I recall. Right. Um, so... I
3: think you can infer where it
0: comes from but right right and that's that's one of the things that i really liked about this especially like i said on the on the second view or read through um you know the way that things unfold and you know you you have that conversation early on with baron harkonnen where he lays out this plot but even then there's there's more that is revealed as it progresses yeah um Mm -hmm. as you know so he has he has subverted uh dr yui who is the the family doctor who and and they don't get into this in the movie the the idea that um these these doctors are undergo some kind of conditioning to make it impossible for them to be uh turned to betray the people that they work for which you know i imagine is a quality that you want in your mm-hmm. doctor that's what i love um, <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know um but baron Harkinen has found a way to subvert this and so uh dr yui is the one who really initiates the the betrayal um and I
1: forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> so well, it's, it's great when that betrayal finally happens. Uh um, well and yeah. it, makes it, yeah. it
3: makes it so much more heartbreaking too, because they actually at points, almost everybody at some point is like, Well, can the betrayer be Dr. Yui? And everybody's like, No.
2: Of That's course not. Right.
3: Yeah. yeah, exactly. and, like, it's, and you're just sitting up there so oh. many times, like, could it be Yui? No, it can't be Yui. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, of all the people it could be, it can't be Yui. Like, it can't yeah. be. Yeah. And then it fucking is. I thought is. that was and interesting. Like, oh, and then it is. And
0: yet, and yeah. even at the same time, like, so he, his wife was, uh, killed by, or captured by the Harkonnens. Um, and so he has had this pressure applied to him with the, the idea that he will be reunited with his wife.
3: Uh, well, it was, well, yeah,
0: <laughs> but then even, even as he's doing this, his only, like the only thing that he had to do was to kill or capture the Duke, yeah, um, and it's apparently uh, you know forbidden to uh, by the Benny Jesseret to do any harm to Jessica or Paul, um, but he not only so he he Doctor Yui goes through with his part to uh, capture the Duke, but he also gets his own little revenge in there by putting in this, this poison tooth (laughs) to, uh, to try to take out Baron Harkonnen at the same time. So even, even while he was in the midst of his betrayal, he was also, you know, trying to, trying to turn the tables and, and, to some extent, do the right thing. Yeah, he wasn't. Um, I think or at he least even get said his own his, revenge. Yeah.
3: I think he said mm-hmm. in his note he didn't want anybody's forgiveness. He was just doing what he could for himself. Yeah. Like yeah. he really just he hated the the Harkonnens probably more I think than any of the other main characters.
2: Yeah, and that's Paul, there's a there's a fairly Paul long hate conversation. Him he didn't
3: know him very well. Gurney hated him because of a whole lot of shit. Duncan Idaho has a huge backstory with the with the Harkonnens. Um. But I think Doctor Huey is candidate for most Harken and hate
0: ever. <laughs> yeah, and there, there's a there's a fairly long conversation in the book between Doctor Huey and Jessica that that gets into that a bit more.
1: Yeah, uh, all of those little conversations are pretty great. The way that they let him ex let I kind of let your mind explore different thoughts, just like deeper thoughts than what they're just talking about. Um, But I was going to say the way that he wrote Dr. Huey or Huey was pretty cool because at first I was like, Oh, why is he telling us right away that this is the traitor? Like, as I was reading it, I was like, Oh, there's no suspense there. But then, like you said, Gavin, everybody is bringing him up throughout the whole time. And as a reader, you're like, no, why don't you actually question him, Jessica? Like when you say, should I go bring him back in and all of these things? And, So it it actually kind of brings you into it and keeps you more involved knowing that he's going to do what he's doing and also being able to see from his perspective, Yui's perspective. So I wonder in the movie, the new movie, if they would have done it that way, what, how that would have portrayed, if they would have, instead of doing it the classic way where you just find out at the end that he's the, you know, the betrayer.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, they do, it's, it's kind of that, uh, that Hitchcock thing of the bomb under the table, right. Where you, you show that to the audience, but the people in the scene don't know that it's there so that you create tension out of that, you know, that, that, you know, that something is up, but they don't. But at, at the same time, like they, they, they all suspect that, you know, that the Harkonnens are up to something because that's what they do, um they just don't know where it's going to come from. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you, you get, you get some tension from that and um, you know, it, and yeah, in the, in the movie, they don't really set up Dr. Yui early on mm-hmm. to, you know, they, they don't give you that knowledge that, that he's part of it. Um, so it, it, but, you know, they do, you do know that the Harkonnens are up to something and that the emperor is behind it. Mm-hmm. So they give you, they give you a little bit of it and then you yeah. see how it plays out.
3: Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't know that you could have done that in the movie without adding another hour just because of how deep that yeah. trail, trail thing goes and it's
1: going to how- say, Director's cut. I'm, I'm interested.
3: <laughs> oh, dude, we're hoping. <laughs> we're hoping for the four hour. Aaron and I were talking about that before the episode. Yeah, we're really, really, really hoping for like the four hour cut. <laughs> that would be. awesome. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll wow. happily buy the. Uh, oh hell the, yeah. You know, yeah. special will, edition Blu-ray. I will. I will buy a physical copy of that just about mm-hmm. it, if it comes out. I'll never <laughs> use know. it. I'll just watch it digitally, but I'll
1: buy it. <laughs> Only if they brought Sting back as Fedraffa. I I heard you that he know. You never know. He was the actor for that in the old one. <laughs> he was. Yeah, yeah. Well a, I was telling Gavin one of the things that I saw
0: was a uh a picture uh, it was Sting in the you know the cod piece from uh from the Lynch movie, but it had Jared Leto's face. Uh, <laughs> photoshopped onto it. And they're like, you know, this is coming for part two. <laughs> he <laughs> likes point. Leto, a, too, right? There's a great oh, story
3: of Patrick Stewart was in the original movie by accident. There was another Patrick Stewart um, that Lynch wanted, but he got Patrick Stewart, Patrick Stewart <laughs> by accident. But he'd never heard of Sting. So they're sitting around, you know, filming one day, and Patrick Stewart just goes up to Sting with no knowledge of who he is. And he's just like, so. Who are you? What do you do? He's like, I'm staying with the police. And he goes, oh, really? What are you doing in a movie if you're in the police? Shouldn't you be out, like, fighting crime or something? <laughs> <And laughs> Steve was just like, oh, God. That was...
2: <laughs>
3: so... Whatever. That's Nothing awesome. to do with anything, but just really funny. So,
0: <laughs> Yeah. Who um, was... uh So Patrick Stewart was Gurney Halleck in yes. movies, right? And so we get... uh Josh Brolin, yep, as Halleck this time. Who also he doesn't have a ton to do in this one in the the first half. No. Um, now there's, it, I feel like the uh, the Duncan Idaho part was expanded a lot more. Uh, in this yeah. one, to really like because mm-hmm. it, Paul has a very solid friendship with Gurney uh, in the book. And it's a little bit less so in the movie. And it's it's a lot of that friendship is put on to Duncan, Idaho. Yeah,
3: which there is in the book as well. He's friends mm-hmm. with Duncan, but Duncan doesn't have very much to do. So, right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. I think, yeah, that, that transposition for the movie, I think, worked pretty well.
0: Yeah,
1: I thought that was, that was fine. Yeah. Um, it's funny because yeah. reading it, I was thinking Frank Herbert at first was like a... Irish guy or Scottish or something just because it seems like Atreides is based out of Ireland or something. The the way they say Lad and um, like the names, Duncan and all of the audiobook versions that we listen to definitely portrayed them as being...
3: Yeah, Gurney, Gurney for some reason, always has like a Scottish accent in almost yeah. <laughs> every version I listen yeah. <laughs> to. Almost everybody makes Gertie Scott a, Gurney Scott. Well, you know, or and he's very close to Scottish.
0: Yeah. And he's supposed to, you know, he's he plays the uh, the ballast set. Yeah. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. that's he's a he's a troubadour, you know, yeah. Um, and we don't really see the ballot in the movie, but we do see bagpipes. Yeah, so. yeah that was funny. Again, I don't know. And Which, I don't think it's cool him by playing me, him, but right. Cool
3: by yeah. me. Um, I was happy with the bagpipes. I was like, That okay, scene was cool.
1: <laughs> Atreides, Atreides, Atreides. Yeah. yeah.
3: <laughs> um Yeah, that was I missed that they in the movie we're sort of fading from the book to the movie now. Um I missed in the movie that they didn't have Gurney as that musician. Because that was a big part of his character in the book. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: They did a few quotes, like he yeah, I think he quoted a a few from the book, but it wasn't yeah. as big of a it wasn't as big a part inclusion. of his character. Director's cut.
3: Yeah. I need to I need to take a timeout, I need to go potty, I'll be right back. <laughs> cool.
1: Should we just wait till I can cut this out? Yeah, I don't think he paused, so
0: <laughs>
1: Yeah, we'll just cut it out. Um I was gonna say as I was reading I s like I think I found the sentence that probably was one of the sentences that I like stopped reading when the first time around when I was like thirteen. it had like quasi fief, um had quasi or Haderach Satarak or whatever, or hadak satirach. Quizat satarak. Quizak Satarak, Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Benny Jezeret. Um, like I had all of these words, like in the same sentence or like two sentences. And I was like, I don't think I can read this book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, I mean, Paul has like,
0: you know, four or five different names, even by the second half of the book,
1: you know, he's, <laughs> mm-hmm. it's really, uh, it's a lot to keep track of. At least um, by then, you kind of know what you're expecting. But like in the beginning, I was just like, "Holy hell!" <laughs> yeah, even like the house, yeah. So, so and I, stuff I mean, like the, that.
0: right. So the the whole idea of the uh, the Quisatz Hatorak. So, I mean, Dune is a it's a messiah story. You know, it's a it's a white savior, if you will. Um, yep. <laughs> but the the whole idea that this it's a you have the Benny Jesser, which is this, this entirely female order. um, And they, they have this like ancestral memory that passes through the maternal line of everything. But then they have to, some of them, some one of them has to give birth to a man that will be able to see through the the masculine line as well.
3: Yeah. There's like Um, a, there's like a wall that they hit on one side.
0: Right. Um, So yeah, it's, you know, this, this (laughs) group of women that can do all these amazing things, (laughs) but that they still need a man to, (laughs) to to, save the day. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Um, And so this, this, you know, prophesied one is the, the Kwisatz Haderach uh, (laughs) is the, is the term for it. And then we also learned that the, the Bene Gesserit have been kind of seeding uh, their beliefs all throughout different pockets of humanity. And so the, the Fremen also have an idea of a, a an off-worlder who will come and save them. And, you know, that's... Comes out of the Kwisatz Haderach legend, I guess, but their term for it is the Lisan al Gaib, um, which, you know, Paul is uh, is that as well, or seems to be. Um, and then he ha- you know, he's, he's Paul, but then he has a, a name that he takes with the Fremen when he joins them. Uh, which is yeah. Usul, but then he also that's what they name him, but then he chooses his own name, yeah. uh, which is Madib. Madib, yeah, right. Um, so yeah, there's a, there's a lot of uh, a lot of names floating around, all for one person, <laughs> um,
1: which is yeah, and like also confusing when you start reading the first part, and uh he's, he's like t- in the same paragraph using the f- person's first name and last name, like with Dutfer Howitt or, or Howitt, yeah, Hall- whatever, whatever, whatever the want, name yeah. is. And then Halleck yeah. are talking together, but then he's like interchanging their first and last name or where yeah. the characters. T- I was just like, I th- uh, Gavin, I was telling Aaron right before you walked in the sentence that made me stop reading this book back when I was like 13 <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> um just had all of those terms and i think i never had anybody to push me through so i'm it's a dense read and it's it really is and like i is clearly
3: i like it i'm clearly a fan right like i mean i'm a big dune geek i'm not the biggest dune geek but i'm a big dune geek i don't like herbert's writing style I discovered that this last go around. I don't like the way he wrote the book. I love the universe and a lot of that's a common complaint. A lot of people say you read it for the ideas not for the writing. Um hmm. I wouldn't go so far as to say yeah. that. I do enjoy the book. I don't like his style. He was a reporter uh before he wrote books. So he came up with Dune hmm. He came up with the idea of Dune because he was actually tracking sand dunes out in like Oregon or something, looking at environmentalism, trying Uh to figure stuff out. And that's where he got inspired. And then he spent the next five years sort of coming up with this whole universe and the whole book. But to me, the writing style comes across as really, really dry. Now, part of that is because of the first half of the book being mostly sort of like political intrigue. Which it's very slow. He very deliberately wrote the book very slowly at first, and the pace continues to pick up as the story goes on. It gets faster yeah. and faster and more and more action happens as we get farther in. So the first half of the book is very dry by design, but I don't I don't like the way he writes. and I've just like, I wouldn't say it's bad, and I'm not in the camp of like read it for the ideas, not for the writing. I think you should read it for the writing as well. But I'm not a huge yeah. fan. I'm not a fan of the way he writes. It comes across as very dry and very dusty, which the book is already dense enough. It doesn't make it an easier book to read.
0: You know, I I think the thing that he does that contributed the most to people saying that this is unfilmable, um, and it's also probably one of the biggest knocks against the writing, I guess, is he spends so much time with what every person is thinking while they're saying stuff. And, and and a lot is conveyed by that. Um, But it's also, it's a little bit of a cheat, I think, you know, to, to give you that um, internal, internal monologue of every person. Yeah. Uh, rather than having these things revealed by their actions, hmm. um, you know, it's 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 just laid out for you. Yeah. And that again, that you know, that's what we saw with with Lynch's doing. At some point, there was the, you know, this voiceover of. Well, it was
2: all voiceover, right? I mean,
0: his, yeah, yeah, exactly. It was, because the whole thing, yeah, is, I
3: mean, like you say, it's an, an all internal monologue, and it's all exposition. Yeah and right. half of it's important and half of it isn't half of it moves the story forward and half of it is just detail for detail's sake yeah and it, i mean i think the other thing that throws people really hard is that this is i don't know the term for it but there's there's first person second person and third person this is none of those this is every person this is omnipresent like you know uh, yeah i mean everything. that's third
0: person omniscient
3: um omission. there you go yeah so yeah. that i think that throws some people as well yeah because there's not a lot of smooth transitions. We don't have a chapter of Paul and then a chapter of Jessica and then a chapter of Leto. We have a couple of sentences of Paul's and then it changes in the next paragraph or sometimes even in the same paragraph, it hops from mind to mind. And that can be jarring if you're not expecting that.
0: And it's, it's third Mm -hmm. person, but by giving all of those, you know, internal monologues, like that's, that's the sort of thing you would expect from a first person story to, to have the internal monologue of the main character of the, you know, whoever is the eye of the story. Uh, But when you start getting it for every single character, yeah. um, I mean, part of that is, is why it's so long, you know? Yes. Um,
3: (laughs) Yeah. Well, some scenes we do a couple of times, right? You see not everything, but a couple of scenes you see from different angles
0: yeah i mean you'll have you'll have you know two or three people having a conversation and in addition to the conversation you're getting you know
1: what each person is thinking as they're saying things yeah um yeah it flows nicely though i did notice like it typically it would be from whoever is in the sentence or whoever's talking to the person then it would flow back and forth from obviously i guess but like if it was like three or four different stories throughout the chapter, like it would somehow interchange and it would never be jarring where it like completely. Yeah. Why is he going from this person? um, Right. Right.
0: Right. And in terms of uh, how the, how the scenes or the chapters are set up, um, I think it's well crafted in that regard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Particularly, you know, going from, you know, something that's happening on Arrakis to something that's happening back on, uh, Baron Harkonnen's home planet, you know, jumping between these scenes, I think is, is well set up. Um, and I don't know if that's, I mean, this, this was, it was originally written as, um, you know, a bunch of shorter pieces that were all then put together. Right. Um, you know, so I think it was published in a couple of different parts in uh, a magazine or a journal or something. Yeah. Um, so that may have been, you know, later
1: editing that that did that. Hmm. That's cool. But- you can definitely see a lot of uh, sci-fi down the line that borrowed from this or just writing in oh. general oh, yeah. fantasy. Yeah. Like you were saying, the perspective of you don't get a chapter of one person, then the next, and then the next. Like Game of Thrones did that, but... Uh, Star Wars borrowed real heavily from this, it seems like. Oh and, yeah. And uh I know, just leak. see it yeah. everywhere pretty much like Tremors. Is... <laughs> Tremors, yeah. <laughs> yeah. One of my favorites. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. No, this was this was heavily influential. This was one of the big this is one of the big ones that like really
0: Yeah came in. Yeah. Um, its fingerprints are definitely oh, yeah. all over it's everywhere.
3: Well, like I was saying, I thought I I thought Donaldson borrowed heavily from this or at least was influenced heavily from this for the gap cycle, just because I got the sense that he wanted everybody to be mentat capable and really have these plans within plans within plans and all of these intricate political back dealings and stuff like that. I think that he borrowed heavily from, not in a bad way. I think he was influenced heavily by this. Um, Yeah. But yeah, I like, I got to say too, I like the first half of the book. The first half of the book is very slow it's very laid out. There's not a lot of action, but yeah. I really like that. I really like the the plans within plans and the political intrigue. That shit, I dig. Yeah, I dig that. I, that's what I want. Phantom Menace. I want somebody to go back and make Phantom Menace a political intrigue movie, because that's right. what that is. That's the emperor or the soon to be emperor setting all of the things up, getting the clone army going. If you got a really serious director. And, and really did it right. It would make a really awesome political intrigue movie. So I like that sort of thing. So I really like the first half of the book.
0: Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot more. Uh, again, like I said, this time around when uh, either I was grasping it better because I had been through once already or I was just mm-hmm. more receptive to it. But yeah, I, I found the intrigue intriguing. Um, you know it
1: it worked for me uh yeah yeah i think one thing that surprised me that i i guess i don't know i've just never been exposed to this world and i I, thinking of dune i thought of it all kind of taking place on a single planet and that it was all just going to be desert and i didn't expect i guess such a sci-fi aspect of spaceships Mm -hmm. and yeah several different planets and a lot yeah. of different weird uh like evolutions of humans and the mm-hmm. spice intrigue and just everything that he builds in this, into this world. And then all of the sci-fi aspects of, you know, the, the sand suits that they, the still suits that they have to wear, mm-hmm. or, you know, just when they're in a tent, they're not in a normal tent, they're in a still tent that recycles water and the, yeah. just it's, really cool that he's able to take the time even though it's a little slower like you said but the way that this first half of the book is i I really enjoyed it too the the build up and yeah little uh, dots about the spice like i said we still don't even know it's almost like a a detective story where i'm trying to find out more about things so do really enjoy where it's going (laughs)
3: Yeah, no, he he spends a lot of time building the universe. It's one of the most well-built universes in literary stuff like I it just I like he built the shit out of this universe. Yeah. It yeah. I don't know if it beats Tolkien, but it definitely rivals Tolkien. I think between those two are absolute game changers in the size and the scope and the detail of the universe that they built.
2: Mhm. Yeah.
3: Um yeah, and the backstory, I mean, there's a ton of backstory that we never get. Like, the Orange Catholic Bible is said to have, I guess, Huey gave Huey gave Paul a little Bible. It said he had 1,800 pages. I yeah. Googled it out of curiosity. How many pages does the average Bible have? It's about 1,400. So, somewhere in there, there's another 400 pages. Well, right. does that mean that they've added a bunch of stuff? Like, they don't really get into it, but you get the sense that... It, it's even the religion has evolved over the next 10,000 years. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or 8, very much so. Years. So you get the sense there's no mention of it in any real sense, but it's there and he's built that into the world. He's built that into the universe. Kind mm-hmm. of, not just to do it, but just to fill in the gaps, which I, I thought it was cool. I mean, it's, it's definitely a
0: deep yeah. universe.
1: And it, it all you know, helps you to believe it.
3: Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah and it's the sort of thing that he you know he left a lot of these little breadcrumbs of these threads that you know his son and other authors have pulled at over the years to to build it all out yeah um yeah it's it's really well done in that regard and you you have the impression that you know even these little things that are just Barely touched upon in this first book, he knew what yeah. was going on there. You know, right. he, he had a bigger idea than than what you saw on the page there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, it definitely it, it it feels like it all hangs together, even if you don't see all the pieces. Um, it's not just kind of haphazardly
3: this this works because i say it works
0: right yeah it's
3: all it's all there well and that's one thing about his sci-fi like just all the sci-fi stuff i really get the sense that it's all basically possible like i don't think any of it is this huge leap of faith um like someone was talking about i can't remember what it was someone was talking about the voice like is the voice even possible like can you really do that you kind of can already like i could piss somebody off just by talking to them really easily and really quickly and if i can make somebody mm-hmm. mad how big a stretch is that to having somebody sit down or come near me or hand me a glass of water or something like yeah. i think maybe that really is possible and like the holtzman engine is what gets us through the space but if we had a way to control that maybe we really can travel interstellar like i don't i don't know i it, it all seems remotely possible it's not some stuff where, like, in Star Wars where we have lasers that move so slowly you can see the light move from one end of the room to the other. Like, I don't (laughs) think so. (laughs) Like, I get it. It's cool. Pew, pew. I'm all about it, but maybe not so much. But this all felt within, in 8,000 more years of human evolution and learning, maybe it's all actually possible.
0: The whole idea of the shields, okay, Mm. and that was one of the things that I found most interesting from a sci-fi perspective you know they they're kind of demonstrated early on when paul is sparring with uh with gurney and the idea that you have this kind of force field that will stop you know fast moving things but something that is moving slowly will be able to get through it Mm -hmm. uh and and how that changes the way that you fight And it has changed, you know the entire the entire concept of combat. Yeah, Um, you know that artillery and things like that. Well, if anything is shielded, the artillery is not really going to do much for you.
3: I loved. I just got. I loved in the movie when the Harkonnens came in to smash the Atreides. They had those bombs that would come down and very slowly go through the uh-huh. shields into the machines. And uh-huh. then I, it, they actually the machines would blow up, but stay inside the shield until the shield right. <laughs> ended, and then would. Exp- I just that was just yeah yeah so was, fucking I mean, cool that they picked up on that little detail. I thought that was yeah awesome.
0: it was just that all was, so yeah. <laughs> that was the cool. the that way was, that yeah. all of that was conveyed visually the yeah. movie was was fantastic. And and I liked I mean, if you saw the Lynch version, the way that the Shields looked in that combat was just.
3: Well, it was 1984. It <laughs> was 1984. <laughs> come but on, I mean, dude. come on. We were yeah. looking at tr- Tron. We <laughs> right, we're looking at right. Tron like as the other big CGI stuff. So I like... one of the things
0: that he did <laughs> in the new one that I appreciated was you know, the, the shield would flash blue when it was stopping something. Yeah. But it would flash red where something was, was penetrating so that you had this visual cue. Yeah. That you saw all throughout, you know, later parts when people were fighting with shields on. Yeah. And then the idea that, um, you can't use the shields in the desert because the vibration from it will call a worm.
2: Right.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, I I I thought all of that was great and then there's something that they hint at which is the you know the laser weapons if that if you fire a laser weapon at a shield like you get this huge nuclear yeah like yeah. this <laughs> this ridiculous explosion you know that will kill the person using the laser gun as well as yeah you know the shield so you, they have to be very very careful Turrets. In stuff. that regard. Set up a yeah. turret. Then you're not killing people. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's easy. <laughs>
3: like, come on.
1: Right. <laughs> I'm not even a tactician. It's just,
3: oh. <laughs> you bob shot a gun at a shield. Now Bob's dead. Let's put a gun on a stick. <laughs> like, <Right. laughs> no, but yeah. but they, And I don't know that they say anything about that in the movie, right? Like they don't mention that No lasers yeah, crossing really shields is bad, bad news. But yeah, in the book, it's definitely like a no-no. Yeah, it'll call... Yeah all the worms in an area like regardless mm-hmm. of what their territory is bring them into a, just an absolute frenzy yeah and they're bad news for lasers so yeah did Which you guys
1: I- look at an actual physical book because my physical book has a map in the back have you guys seen a map of arrakis
3: i remember seeing i remember seeing the map back in my actual yeah. book Back in it's the day when I had such things.
1: Interesting looking at it. Like the shield wall expands a lot more than I pictured. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. Just, yeah, it completely visualized it a lot differently. Yeah. But I think the movie killed it with the vision. Like every single scene, when you if you did a freeze frame, just looks so beautiful too. Like the way the, oh, Villeneuve he framed is, Villeneuve is so it. so yeah.
3: good at that. Mm. But, yeah so that's
0: that's it. how i felt about uh well i felt that way about a lot of them uh but blade runner 2049 yeah. again oh, like there yeah. there wasn't a whole lot of dialogue and there were a lot of you know just kind of slow scenes of you know a landscape or whatever um But it just—it all looks so incredible that (laughs) you just—you're captivated by it. Yeah. No,
3: he's—he's really good at that. (laughs)
0: None of it feels like wasted, wasted space. Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah, it was. I thought it was gorgeous.
3: Well, that's the the cinema goal, right? Is every frame is a picture, right? Like you want to be able to freeze on any particular frame anywhere and have art within that picture which is not an right. easy thing to do and I think his him and his guys Villeneuve and all of his cinematographers and DPs and all those people are like they're fucking good at it they are yeah. fucking good at it it's crazy because yeah. you can have like a 10 minute scene where nothing's going on and yet you get everything transferred mm-hmm. like you get especially 2049 like you say there wasn't a lot of dialogue but god damn I understood what everybody was thinking
1: about <laughs> like, he does a lot with scale too yeah. The, oh, yeah yeah you could he yeah. always has somebody in the foreframe and then in the background so you can tell like this massive object and both media, like both 2049 and dune lend themselves to huge scale huge
3: scales yeah.
1: yeah interesting when he talks about the size of the worms being bigger than like the space freighters that they flew over on and you're yeah. just picturing that in your mind like damn like imagine the tunnel that that thing would be leaving behind or like the little mountain yeah. behind it just Incredible. Right.
3: What I really yeah. like, too, the way he, he portrayed the sand as sand as water. Because like, yeah. you don't have water on Dune. but And the sand didn't act like sand would act. Now there's kind of an explanation for how the worms move around and it's all static electricity and all this shit. But it was just really beautiful watching the sand waves and the sand crashing up and acting like water because the worm is so big and just has so much mass to it. It was just really... It just it, visually stunning the whole thing
1: mm-hmm. and then the books awesome. they can hear the worms and you, as a fremen you know any fremen knows that sound and yeah the way mm-hmm. they have to walk naturally across like uh, there's a lot to do with uh sound in this yeah. book yeah yeah i kept i kept watching
0: the uh uh anytime any one was walking in the desert you know whether it was uh uh, Dr. Kynes, or you know, any of them, and and are they doing the are they doing the sandwalk or doing the you know step, <laughs> yeah. step step pause you know slide step, right. um, and I didn't I didn't really see it in a lot of the scenes, but nobody uh, ever did it. Nobody yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, that's funny. Yeah, that was well. And water
3: discipline that was a big one too, right? In the book. Yeah. In the book, water discipline for Fremen is a killable offense. If you get caught without your mask outside, they turn you. I mean, they, they you're done. Like, they literally kill you. And in this, everybody's taking off their hoods and everybody's like, doesn't have their nose plugs in and they're all out. There's I a scene of Chani walking around like in a dress. And I'm like, oh, no, come
0: it, on.
1: Well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but that's his dream, though.
3: I no and I and get it. And I, well, I, I know where everything all goes and in a movie, you can't do that. You can't have people completely garbed up with a, a veil and all this stuff all the time and actually have actors. I totally get it,
0: but no there's there's stuff uh, later in the book where they you know talk about okay, he's you know he has his mask down because he needs to be able to be heard. Right or you know he's he's make this decision to give up a little bit of moisture to right achieve this end. But yeah, the the entire uh, concept of the value of water and and you especially see you know when uh, I don't remember if this is if this is actually before the end of the first book or if it comes a little bit later, but. When uh, Thufir Hawa is, um, I guess you could say, captured by Fremen, um, and he's trying to, you know, bribe them or whatever, and they're they're like, "What? You have no water. What could you give us? Like, right. That's mm-hmm. that's the only thing that is of any value
3: yeah.
0: to them." um and i particularly like and i'm glad that they kept this in the in the movie the the date palms that were outside the uh the palace or whatever and the idea that you know each one of them took you know five men worth of water a day so you know with however many palms there were it was a hundred men yeah (laughs) <laughs> water enough yeah. for a hundred men was needed to maintain them. <laughs> right. No, that was um, cool. Yeah.
3: I think they failed in the movie. I think they failed. Nobody else. I asked Alice who's never read the book and I asked blaze and he's never read the book. Um, They both got the idea that water was really, really important, but I think they really messed up on when Stilgar came in to to meet the Duke and the spit on the floor scene. I think they totally undersold that as a joke because Stilgar is yeah. walking in, spits on the floor, and mm-hmm. then everybody else does, and Josh Brolin does, and uh, Poe Dameron does. They all just spit on the floor like, oh, it's no big deal. But that was a huge deal in the book. The fact, Yeah, that, I mean, the yeah, they address Everything it. went on and brought up to that point to where Stilgar was like, okay, now I'm going to make you this offering that was a huge thing in the book and they just totally yeah. turned it into kind of a <laughs> joke. And it was like, dude, come on that. that yeah. Me yeah.
0: I mean, there is the line, you know, we thank you for your gift of your body's moisture or whatever, but it's, it was still vastly underplayed. It was. Yeah. The from, importance
3: of that act, the importance of that act, I think. So I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm the only like, I don't know. Well, there it's also, awkward.
0: there wasn't the same, uh, Tension in that scene, even before that, right? That there was in the book. Yeah, you know the 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 friction between Stilgar and the Duke and everyone was not as apparent in the movie as it was in the book.
3: No, well, because they didn't talk about the companion that had died, or that you know Duncan had done everything for him, and that Duncan was really getting in with the Fremen, and maybe they Mm -hmm. were kind of accepting him a little bit. Yeah. A lot of that. And I get why, but I just, to me, if you're going to, don't mess up the spit scene because it just came across as right. a shitty joke. Just right. cut it out yeah. completely and just don't worry about it. But you've, you've cheapened it to me. I think it was weird
1: because it was be really cool. the only joke in the movie, I feel like, too, where it kind of, yeah. Well, so the-, <laughs> the suspense it was like. There was another, and I remember someone talking about having
0: seen, uh, a scene in a trailer and it's the one where um, Duncan is first come back and he's talking to Paul and he says something about, Oh, I see you put on a little, a little muscle there. And Paul's what? like, Oh really? And he says, no. no. <laughs> and I remember someone commenting on that and being like, Oh, you know, they're, they're putting in the little jokes, you know? Um, and that one, for whatever reason, like with the larger context of that scene that one didn't ring jokey for me in the movie itself yeah you know like it worked it, I, that I didn't like work mm-hmm.
3: yeah.
0: yeah exactly but then the the spitting scene again like that just was like a marvel that was humor a little more jokey kind of. right yeah exactly yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Marvel the one is just a just kind of sort of, of tender was, moment right.
3: of like Duncan trying to lighten Paul up and just kind of right. like, okay, I understand you're really upset. What can I do to sort of break this tension? Yeah. And uh, as a friend reaching out to another friend, I'm going to try to lighten the mood up a little bit and whatnot. And then the spit scene was really just, I think they should have just left it out completely or reshot the entire thing. I don't think it did anything, but that's being really particular. (laughs) That's getting really into, (laughs) I want to find something to complain about territory. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) right.
1: I like in the book that a lot of the action happens off scene. Like it'll be, you know, Baron Harkonnen looking out the the space window at the artillery battle, like hitting the cave or it'll be Duncan Idaho goes through the door and you can hear like the slashing or like he's bloody and the, you know, it's just, yeah, it's like you can really picture it in your mind because he just leaves it up to you to visualize what's happening. So yeah, I I appreciate Although There
0: are also things like the, uh, like Paul's fight with Jamis. Or Jameis, um, like that is described in a lot of detail in the book.
1: Oh, okay. Um, so
0: I'm not there yet. Uh, right? Yeah that com- that I falls a little bit right after where book one officially ends in the in the book. Um, so and and like the <laughs> again, this is one of those things that. Um, they get into in the book is the idea that Paul was trained to fight with a shield, yeah, um, and now he's fighting without one, and are his instincts on how he fights going to hinder him in this now that he doesn't have one mm-hmm. um and the book goes into a good bit of detail about that, and then how he's moving uh and you mm-hmm don't really get that in the book, although or in the movie, but at least in the movie they get across the idea that um Paul refrains from killing yeah Jamis a few times and everyone thinks that he's toying with him. Um Yeah and everybody, really gets just, like,
3: everybody gets really bummed out at him, right? I haven't got to that part in the book yet, but everybody gets like really bummed out that he's toying with Jamis. Does Jessica right. does Jessica say in a book that Paul's never killed a man? before he yes because that's not true that's not true he killed a fucking harkonnen on the thopter as they were escaping he kicked a dude's heart in
1: oh yeah that's funny
3: (laughs) he did He he kicked a guy's heart in he kicked a he kicked a harkonnen in the gut and blew his fucking right vent it was his right ventricle you can check me on this it blew his right ventricle out and the guy died gurgling on the floor of the thopter
0: i don't even remember that but i Maybe I was listening to that at a time that I had more going on. Um,
3: I I think I had just... Well, I did the book four fucking times. So, I mean, I got details down. (laughs) But I thought that I picked up on that. And he did in the the book. In the movie, he didn't. Jessica took care of everybody, or a Harkonnen took care of a Harkonnen, which... I think they did a better job in the book. I like the scene of Jessica using a voice in the book better. But again, I get cutting mm-hmm. for time and picking out the important parts. I totally get that.
0: Um, yeah, I liked how they how they did that in the movie with uh, with her just speaking to the one guy and just saying immediately kill the other guy, kill the deaf guy. Yeah, just kill, yeah, you know? just
3: yeah. Let's just get this. It, it yeah. would have been a really hard scene. I mean, it would have been a, if I'd have done it, it would have been like an eight hour movie. Like, I totally get why I get it. It's not important. It doesn't move the plot forward.
0: Yeah. The 84
3: yeah. version has a longer version of that with Jessica trying to get out. And actually the miniseries, the sci-fi miniseries is really good. The sci-fi channel miniseries was really good for book details.
1: I started nice. that, but I felt like the actor playing Paul was a little whiny at the beginning, so I couldn't get into
3: It's Yeah.
1: And I was like, I don't remember Paul being really whiny ever in the book but i have to give it another shot yeah i mean
0: he's definitely and one of the things that i kind of appreciated was that he sees this uh you know this future laid out for him as this uh you know savior or you know messiah whatever and he doesn't like it (laughs) um yeah you know, and he he doesn't really want any part of what's coming. But at the same time, you know he he sees that there are. I mean, they use the word jihad in the book, um, which is a little like I, there are there are certainly you know problematic things, you, you know, white savior, whatever, uh, but. And, and um, characterizations of the Fremen as sort of Middle Eastern, yeah. whatever. But mm-hmm. uh, he, he also kind of recognizes that, well, there's no way off of this path for me. You know, I, I can't just walk away from this. And... I can at least try to prevent some of the worst things from happening. Yeah. So while he's not thrilled with the idea of it, he's
1: at least trying to work with it.
3: Yeah. He's trying to, you know. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Kind of what he was doing with the dukedom, too, inheriting that. Like he doesn't seem thrilled with it, but. Exactly, And And I liked, uh, I liked in the movie
0: that they, that they made use of the signet ring, Mm -hmm. uh, as kind of the, I don't know if you call it a metaphor for, for that position of power. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, they really put a lot more importance on the ring in that regard. Yeah. But I thought it worked well as a as a visual cue for all of that.
3: Yeah. You no, um, sort of picked up on it. It took over a lot of the narration. It was able yeah. to pick up on that. Kind of like, just like you say, it was just kind of like an idea dump. Like, hey, all of this stuff is this ring. So right. watch, watch the ring. It's important.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which in the book, it wasn't as much. I mean, there was, you know, when uh, when they capture the Duke and they're like, well, where's his ring? Yeah. You know, but it's it's more as a a tool of the office in that regard. It's, it's much more a thing and it's less an idea. Right. Whereas in the movie it, it, it carries the idea as well. Yeah. Without like so I thought 30, that worked.
3: thirty more minutes of empty dialogue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. No, it did. It worked out really well with that. I thought that was that was nice the way they did that.
1: This is a book you definitely have to read several times. I think even reading it back to back was really helpful. Like the first time around, trying to figure out who the Sadokar was, like in the end area, I was like having to ask my coworker who's in the middle of the fourth book right now. (laughs) And he was like, oh, this is who the Sadokar were. And this is like, he was really helping me out. But the second time around, I was like, oh, I I really know what's happening. And like even at the beginning, when Paul's dreaming, like in you can hear where he's like in a cave and you can, he hears water trickling and all mm-hmm. of that is so much more important second time around. Right. Okay. And, and like you were talking earlier, the barons plan where they're in that, the room looking at the, the planets and he's talking to Fedrafa yeah. His whole story is, the first time through, you're just kind of like, I don't even know who the characters are that he's talking about at this, you know? So, you it's, get thrown in I right, recommend. Yeah.
3: There's no, yeah, there's no primer to this. It's like a <laughs> book, twice as better. Mm-hmm. If you can stomach it, twice as way mm-hmm. better. Yeah.
1: And even read through it halfway. I think was a good method. I think I was texting you guys last yeah. week. Do I just keep going and read the whole book? And, or should I go back and start over again yeah. for, before the podcast, like a, a, right. at the halfway point? And I am really glad that I did because I just picked up on so much more second time around. There's a lot of detail
3: in this book. Like it's there a really lot is. of detail. And I don't know that it's all necessary, but there's a lot of detail in there and it's easy to miss out on little stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, it's, it's there if you want it. I think two read-throughs is a good.
1: And we it's listened to it. it. So the first listen, I think you had some opinions on who we listened <laughs> to. We listened to George Guidall on the first list, or I did. And uh, I really enjoyed him and some other books I've listened to. Longmire, the Longmire series right. and uh, Les Miserables and Don Quixote he did. And he's very good with accents. Huh. So his yeah. pronunciation mm-hmm. of a lot of the, terms and words i i thought it was impressive but uh i, I think loved his baron harkonnen voice
2: yeah
0: mm-hmm.
1: so that i did really
3: i did i found four unabridged versions and i did all of them <laughs> <So> <laughs> i had i already had in my library the scott brick version which year maybe two and a half two years ago ish before we started a podcast or before will and i were even talking about books again i had listened to the scott brick version at work over probably several weeks. But I didn't even realize it was Scott Brick. And then our first episode was Androids. And even then I didn't realize it was Scott Brick. I didn't realize <laughs> it was Scott Brick until I started listening to it a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, oh, I know this dude. Like, that's a, pay, that's a thing I pay attention to now. So I started with the Scott Brick version and I got like, I don't know, maybe an hour two hours in. And then Aaron hipped us to the idea that there was a dramatized version, which I love dramatized. Audiobooks. I think they're they're a lot of fun. If they're done properly, they're a lot of fun. Um, but then Will discovered that maybe it wasn't unabridged, even though it said unabridged on the tin. <laughs> and like so there was a, a thing there. And then I found a guy named um Linton. PJ Linton or JP Linton. I found his version, um, which I did not care for. I didn't care for his version. I think that he did a for me. It wasn't what I was looking for. And then Will hit me to the Gadol version. So I did a little bit of the Scott Brick version. I did a little bit of the radio drama. I did probably about a third <laughs> of it in the Linton version. Then I found the Godal <laughs> version. I went and did all of the Gadol version. I was like, okay, that's the guy right there. And then I did the dramatized version. And I was like, well, fuck. Even if it is abridged, I'll do the dramatized version, which I don't think is abridged in a way that people say it is. I think they took out a lot of the he said, she said stuff in the dramatized sections. Yeah. Yeah. I talked
0: to John Paul who had also listened to that version and he said the same thing as you. Okay. Yeah. So if it was, and if anything was cut out, it was, you know, he said, she said.
3: Yeah. So like in, in that whole, that whole book isn't dramatized. There's like a chapter of dramatized stuff with voice actors and then there's a couple of chapters of just a narrator and then there's a chapter with dramatized stuff and voice actors and in that those hmm. little sections it's he said she said so you can count that as unabridged as far as i'm concerned right and then i went and did the linton version and then i went and did the Scott Brick version and of <laughs> all of those For the second half of the book, I'm not doing all of that for the second half of the book, but I am doing a Scott Brick version for the second half of the book. And it's because Scott Brick is a massive Dune nerd. He is like one of the biggest Dune nerds ever. When he was offered to do Dune, he turned it down because he wasn't ready. He, at that point, went through the book and wrote down every word he didn't know how to pronounce. And he got in touch with the Herbert estate and they went through... Mm -hmm records and audio tapes to find Frank Herbert saying those words aloud.
1: Wow. That's cool. And wrote it out,
3: wrote them out. It was a list of like eight or 900 words that he did eight or 900 words <laughs> that goodness. he wrote out to make yeah. sure that he got the pronunciation right for the audiobook book. Mm-hmm. And then that's when Brian, it gets better when Brian Herbert and Kevin Anderson, Kevin J. Anderson started writing other books There were more words added to that. That list now, that dictionary now is up to 1,400 words. (laughs) And this is all stuff that Scott Brick did in his own time for his own enjoyment so that he could (laughs) read the book properly as he was doing it. He took over that whole document and handed that over to Villeneuve and his crew to make sure that they got the pronunciations right if they wanted to do it. It wasn't Mm. like, here, here's this massive amount of work I've done you know, give me a bunch of production t-shirts and credits and all this other shit. He just said, no, this is, you need this to do it properly. Now, whether they did anything with it or not, I don't know. But I did notice that Kevin J. Anderson got a consultant credit on Dune and I did not see Scott Brick's name in Dune. So I'm a little miffed about that. (laughs) But (laughs) so I did like the Godal version. I know you're a big Godal fan, Will. Um, I did like his version, but I'm going to be sticking with the Scott Brick version.
1: Well, yeah. Now knowing that, that's <laughs> impressive. <laughs> Scott Brick was so, the one I listened to second and I got further because the second read through, I kind of right. caught back up to where the movie ended. I guess I didn't yeah. get all the way there with the James Jameson fight, but... Jam-
3: yeah, Jamis,
0: Jamis. Jamis, something.
1: whatever, Jamison. Um, whatever. <laughs> whatever. That's Scott probably honestly, There's probably a
0: pronunciation guide for his name <laughs> there probably somewhere is. in that document. There probably is. Yeah.
3: Well, and the other thing that we're missing, I don't think that they do it because I haven't hit the end of the book, but there's a huge appendix at the end of the written book, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there's like mm-hmm. dictionaries on pronunciation and backstories and there's all kinds of information. I can't imagine that that's at the end of the audio book. So it might be a good idea for people to at least look up that that's got to be out there somewhere in a physical that's copy cool. or in the internet there's got to be a pdf somewhere of the of the stuff like you said maps there's maps mm-hmm. and things right so yeah. there's a lot of information at the ass end of the book that people should look i mean up.
0: there are yeah there are pictures out there of the uh the the sheet of uh you know glossary terms or whatever that was handed out with the Lynch version of the movie. You oh, know, that's you, you funny. went to see the movie and they handed you, you know.
1: Oh, I don't <laughs> <realize>. really. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's funny.
0: yeah, yeah. You can find that. There's there's pictures of that that guide.
1: That is cool.
0: Because um, I did, to, I know, did of see some that. of the terms. Yeah,
3: my parents took me to that when I was a kid. Twelve, <laughs> I think I would have been ten or twelve. Twelve. Um, it, it may not have been every no, theater but that yeah, did it, no. But that's but, funny. Yeah. I'm gonna look for that. Damn, I wish I had No, Yeah, I had a,
0: a friend of mine who remembered
1: getting that right. when she saw it.
3: That's fun. Yeah, That's pretty, pretty funny. I, I like that. I yeah.
1: appreciate that they didn't dumb it down. Even the new movie, they still used all of the vocab words, Gamjabar and
2: yeah.
3: Benny yeah, Jesuit You have to. Yeah. You, you have yeah. to. You'd never get away without doing it.
1: I know yeah. their it HBO is talking about doing rockets. a spinoff called Dune the Sisterhood on the Bene mm-hmm. Gesserit. I yeah I did see Which, something about that. I don't know could how to feel about that. Yeah, I don't know. It could be awesome. It could be really it could be good. I yeah totally
0: I don't know. Uh, again, like of the other books that have been written, you know, is there is there a lot dedicated to that sisterhood, and is that something that they're going to draw from for yeah. this? There's a for this series. So in
3: the newer books, they're set up in trilogies, and one of the trilogies is the. The beginning of the Bene Gesserit the beginning of the Spacey Guild, and the beginning of something else, and there is a whole book dedicated just to the be oh, and the beginning of the Fremen. That's what it is. The spacing Guild, okay. the Fremen, and the Benny get a trilogy of their backstory. So there yeah. is a book. Um,
0: yeah, that I mean, that's the ones I read. Yeah, that's so, uh, the whole the Benny thing. I found very intriguing, and that's something I would. Enjoy seeing more of, mm-hmm. um, if, it's, yeah. if it's done well. So. See, I'd
3: want to see the Spacing Guild. I'd want to see the, but of course, I've read. I read that trilogy. I read the trilogy of how the fremen started and how the Spacing Guild started, how the Bene Gesserit started. I'd like to see. I'd like Space to see guild. all three of those. Really, like M- Mentat would be cool this, too. Like all of this. the Mentat yeah. would be an interesting thing to see how that how that evolved,
1: which they didn't get into enough in the movie. No, the Mentats were really. Uh,
0: really let down by the movie i felt like yeah um mm-hmm. yeah that was that was probably my biggest disappointment with the movie was uh that they did almost nothing with with the mentats, and especially for as menacing a character as uh piter devries was in the book um he I honestly don't even remember if he had any lines. I think he had a couple, but yeah, he didn't, he did basically nothing in Mm -hmm. the movie, which, you know, I, the more I thought about it, um, he was talked about more in the book than he actually did anything. Um, and originally, you know, the, the Baron was going to give him Lady Jessica as his reward for, you know, this plot to uh to overthrow the duke and then he was okay well would you rather have her or would you rather have control of arrakis um he's like oh well i'd rather have control of the planet and then he dies yeah so (laughs) you know ultimately yeah he didn't do a whole lot but he was he was a threat that hung over a lot of things yeah um,
3: well, he was the twisted Mentat, right? Like Thufur, he was the opposite right. side mm-hmm. of the coin. He was the other side of the coin of Thufur Hawat. He was the the bad one. Like you had to go right. buy a Mentat, but you had to go buy a fucked up twisted Mentat. Like <laughs> they had those on the shelf. Like, hey, right. do you want a regular right. Mentat or you want some murdering backstabbing psychopath? Ooh, sign me up <laughs> <Right>. for that. <laughs> like, yeah.
0: yeah, exactly. <laughs>
3: That was, but some, yeah, even yeah. even
0: Thufir Hawat didn't really have much at all to do. No, um,
3: they really cut him out a lot. Which and, I again you know, I understand, like you can't have a whole hour just on Thufir's backstory and Mentat capabilities and stuff, and still maintain an audience. But
0: yeah, but I mean, we didn't really get, we yeah. got almost nothing on the concept of
1: Mentats. Yeah, either. I don't even think they mentioned uh, the word. Yeah, um, honestly, actually, I don't remember.
3: I hadn't thought of that. I'll bet you're right. I'll bet they didn't even say Mentat, did they?
1: I don't think so. Because the fact that Paul is a Mentat trained is a pretty big deal in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> the fact yeah. that he's a Duke, that's a Mentat. Yeah. Making that connection. Well, speaking of connections, oh yeah, Do you have a uh, <laughs> Bob the Builder for us,
3: Aaron? Aaron. Aaron's got it. I yeah. do have a Bob <laughs> the Builder
1: for us. I heard about
0: the six degrees of-
2: Yes we can. All, right, Bob.
0: all right so um frank herbert was actually a distant cousin of senator joseph mccarthy <laughs> uh you, you may recall from the uh the, the the witch hunts for um you know communists Yeah. so okay. one of the people who was heavily interrogated by mccarthy and his House Un-American Activities Committee was actor Jose Ferrer, who was also in David Lynch's movie of Dune. He
3: was huh. the emperor,
0: um, right? Yeah, he played yep. the emperor. Okay, yeah, very, um,
3: very, very well.
0: Yes, yeah. Uh, Ferrer was married to Rosemary Clooney, which makes him George Clooney's uncle. <laughs> uh, George Clooney was in oceans 11 with Julia Roberts and Julia Roberts was in Notting Hill where the part of her publicist was played by Lorelai King. The <laughs> Bob the builder.
1: It always comes back to Lorelai. <laughs> it almost That's always funny. does. Yeah. That's funny. Well, it
0: all always comes back to Bob, the builder. It com- yes. We ultimately playing. it comes it's back true. to Bob, the builder. All roads lead to Bob, the builder. That's really funny. Well done
3: you. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> nice and i
0: could have i could have taken the shortcut right to jose Ferrer being in in dune but no but uh, let's I work like in some McCarthyism
3: little... if we can yeah exactly. <laughs> There's exactly nothing like nothing like the good old house of un american activities <laughs> <laughs> make make you feel alive yeah, yeah. that's really mm. funny that's cool that's good <laughs> i looked into it a little bit but i couldn't find any good ones no it's, that's that's a good one i like that one
0: I leave it to I you guys. I didn't know where I was going with it when I started it, but <laughs> that's yeah, fine. that's how it goes. <laughs>
3: that's funny. Now all we got to do is get from any sci-fi book to McCarthyism and we're there, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: should be simple uh, enough. It should be simple you know. enough. Yeah. <laughs> so I think um, originally, I don't know if you guys have any other things to talk about necessarily before we get into the second half because originally i was thinking about doing a book for halloween but it is halloween it is halloween, halloween today today <laughs> it is halloween. so uh, of course when
0: you're listening to this it will be after halloween so
2: yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah. and i'm so excited for part super, two super fast <laughs> <laughs> i get it out today okay. um but i am I, I'm, I'm very excited for part two i don't know that i can uh practice patience enough to do another book in the meantime. So if you guys are up for it, do we want to just go into the second part of this book?
3: Sure. Yeah. I mean, I've only experienced Dune for the last, I don't know, 90 (laughs) hours of my life. I may as well keep going. Yeah, no, I'm for it. Yeah. Okay. Good. I'd love to just roll right into it.
1: Yeah. I think that's definitely the way to go. And then that way we're set up. I hear the next movie is set for October, 2022. So as long as we get the podcast out in the next, or 23, yeah, that's right. Yeah, You're right. So Which out. means it'll probably be in 2024. Be
3: 2024, yeah. Not trying to be <laughs> cynical, but there's no fucking way we're getting it in 2023, right? <laughs> oh, I mean, man. it's going to be 2024, right? I mean.
0: I'm sure. Yeah. Come
3: on. But maybe in that meantime, maybe we'll get the Villeneuve cut. Maybe we'll get a five-hour Dune Part 1 release.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So That gives us two, maybe three years to get the next episode out. So yes. I think we can do that. <laughs> yeah. It should be good. Yeah. That's good. Maybe. I'll
0: call in with that.
3: another headache and fuck that up too.
0: <laughs> now the real question is, do I need to do a completely different Bob the Builder for the next episode?
3: Yes. <laughs> I guess so. Okay. That's a challenge. Uh-huh. You can't use uh, Lorelai.
1: Oh uh, no, yeah. that's a little
3: crippling. I think I think if you end up at Lorelei King, that's legit, but mm-hmm. I think you have to get take a different path to get there. Yeah, <laughs> that's all
0: right. I'll 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 figure something out. Yeah, I'll I'll do it a couple of weeks <laughs> at any rate. Yeah. There's
3: a lot of other paths. There's a there's a path and I don't know it, but Patrick Stewart was in the original movie. And if you can get to Patrick Stewart, you've got to be able to get to Bob the Builder. Yeah. Right? So there's yeah. And Sting, yeah, absolutely. Sting. There's a there's got to be a path. for Sting. Sting. <laughs> yeah. Right. That's like true. that's. Oh, and Yui, in the movie, Yui was the guy, I can't think of the actor's name. He's the guy that played
0: oh, the yeah.
3: hologram guy in Quantum Leap. I'm drawing a That's right blank on his name, too. What the hell was his name? Hal?
0: No, it wasn't Hal. Hmm. Oh, I Speaking can't of holograms.
3: Well
1: I should know this. God, I watched
3: the <laughs> shit out of Quantum Leap. I can't remember. I can't believe...
1: Hmm. I'm currently in season okay. three, episode five of uh, Red Dwarf, Speaking Oh, nice of holo- holograms, just nice. for anybody out there wondering that's, how far awesome. I've gotten.
3: <laughs> that's good. I'm proud of you. Season so, three is good, right? That's the one. Dean stars- Stockwell. Dean Stockwell. That was it. Dean Stockwell. Yeah. I had he to was look a it up. huge environmental guy.
0: He's I couldn't huge, leave us with that cliffhanger.
3: Huge, huge <laughs> environmental uh, activist. He was on no like, yeah. Yeah, I think he was all on about like wearing sunscreen and stuff like before people invented <laughs> sunscreen. No, I mean in a good way. That's but, interesting. But yeah, season three of Red Dwarf—that's the one it starts off with backwards, right? Is
1: that? Yep. The, yeah.
3: In yeah. Hilly, Hilly's there. Yeah,
1: that's a good. Cri- season. Crichton in the latter seasons is really funny. Yes. Yeah.
3: Robert
1: <laughs> and his is very enjoyable. Crichton.
3: Yeah. There's some good episodes in that.
1: Anyway. So. Um, I think that's probably going to wrap it up for this episode. What do you guys have? Any final thoughts on Dune Book One and Book Part of Book Two? No,
3: nope, the spice must flow.
1: Yeah, if there's anything I missed, I'll hit yeah. it in the next episode. Anyway, yeah.
2: that's
3: true. Next, yeah. yeah, I'm going to go start right now. <laughs>
0: i'm actually almost finished i've just kept that's funny i just kept right on going with it i'm
3: I'm about halfway through a terry project book i'll finish that and then i'll get on it because i can't leave a book half done
1: Mm -mm. cool then we'll we'll have to restart the whole book when you go back to it
3: yeah i can't do that because then i've read the first (laughs) half twice and (laughs) ah.
0: as opposed to reading the first half four times yeah (laughs) (laughs) done
1: here different different yeah well excellent cool another episode in the books and Mm -hmm. uh we hope that everybody is prepared for next episode reading the second half of dune by frank herbert and i will have a book picked out at the end of that one for the next episode after that so we have a future in this podcast ladies and gentlemen (laughs) (laughs) we hope you have enjoyed the episode today and uh we'll see you here we'll in a watch few Dune weeks while
3: it's still in the theater if it's still in the theater go see it
1: Yes, mm-hmm. my advice go, see, go it. see it in the it's theater it. You, yeah absolutely yes highly yep. recommended that's my that's my farewell and give us a five-star review on any podcast app you listen to us <laughs> on <right>. yeah. <laughs> if you've made it this far yeah <laughs> that's right <laughs> thank you very much and this has been the hologram media club podcast we'll see you next week see you
0: see you next time
1: bye it is by will alone I set my mind in motion. It is by the juice of Sapfu that thoughts acquire speed. The lips acquire stains. Sustains become a warning. It is by will alone I set my mind in motion. It is by will alone I set my mind in motion. It is by the juice of Safu that thoughts acquire speed. The lips acquire stains. Sustains become a warning. It is by will alone I set my mind set my in motion. motion.